Hey, this is John Jameson. If this is the first time you've joined us on the podcast, thank you and welcome. We really appreciate it. Let us know your aha moments and while you're at it, we'd like you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. The Altcoin Sidekick podcast is available on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and Stitcher. So please leave a review and don't be scared of making it five stars. We'll keep the great content coming to help you on your journey into the cryptocurrency markets. Financial markets are awash with pithy sayings, meant to impart wisdom. Gems like sell in May and go away, and so goes January, so goes the year. This is John Jameson for altcoinsidekick.com, and this week, with global stock markets getting hit hard in line with their seasonal tendencies, and with Bitcoin going vertical, adding 67% to its market price, are financial market aphorisms applicable to cryptocurrencies? And can saying the wrong thing at the wrong time give clues to the future direction of a market? Let's find out. Well, since the beginning of the year until April the 2nd, Bitcoin traded sideways in low volatility mode in a band less than $900 wide. But on April the 2nd, Bitcoin surged $950 in a single day on massive relative volume, 445% greater than normal. Now, relative volume is a tool used by the 5%, the most consistent group of speculators and investors, as a tell. It's a heads up, along with using moves greater than twice priced in uh, by the underlying derivatives to start paying close attention. Now, the saying, sell in May and go away and don't come back until St. Ledger's Day, looks like it's right on the money this year. And while it's true in the United States that if you purchase a stock market tracker in the first week of November every year and you sold it in the last week of April, your results would be spectacularly more impressive than doing the reverse. But most of the time, the financial pearls of wisdom dished out to the masses won't be of much use. But there is one whose track record is better than most, and that is bad news, good action. On Tuesday, May 7th, 2019, Binance suffered the sixth worst cryptocurrency hack in history with around 40 million stolen in Bitcoin from the exchange. In a statement, Binance CEO Changpeng Zhao calmed the market. The, effect, the hack only affected Binance's BTC hot wallet and no other wallets were impacted. Around 2% of Binance's total Bitcoin holdings were stolen, but by acting quickly and stopping all withdrawals, Binance issued a statement stating that they will cover the incident in full and that no user funds will be affected. In July 2018, Binance set up a secure asset fund for users allocating 10% of their received trading fees into this fund designed to act as an emergency insurance policy to protect users against losses in the event of a malicious attack. And so with the news that uh, Binance is covering 100% of exchange user losses from this fund for Bitcoin, it was back to business as usual and the Bitcoin market shrugged. Within 17 hours, Bitcoin's rally had recovered to the pre-hack high, and that's bad news, good action. Over the next four days, Bitcoin rallied 32.4%. Yes, it will take Binance a few weeks to recover the losses, but by acting quickly and transparently, Binance managed to control the situation. On the surface, the decision to pay out the losses from their emergency fund seemed the only course of action. After all, the May 7th hack is why Binance set up the emergency fund in the first place. But around 10.30pm on May 7th, several hours after the hack had taken place, Zhao tweeted that after speaking with third parties, Binance decided not to pursue a reorg approach. 
Now at this point, let's introduce presuppositions. Presuppositions belong to a branch of linguistics called pragmatics. A presupposition is an inferred assumption based on a belief that is taken as truth in a statement. So for example, Jim stopped running presupposes Jim used to run. They wish they can go on holiday now presupposes they can't go on holiday now. And after speaking with third parties, Binance decided not to pursue a reorg approach presupposes a reorg approach exists, that it was discussed with other parties, and it presupposes a reorg approach is possible. And that could be a problem. Why? Well, because it implies it's possible to rewind Bitcoin's blockchain and undo the transactions. And while blocks on the Bitcoin blockchain are reorganized during regular mining, as mining nodes in Bitcoin follow the simple rule of following the blockchain with the maximum work done, the tweet sent out by Zhao implies Binance were considering a coordinated 51% attack on the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, this is not like a normal reorganizing that occurs after a new block is completed. Instead, it entails going much further back in time and temporarily forking the chain to orphan the blocks containing the stolen coins. In the tweet on May 7th, Zhao mentioned that Binance had decided against a reorg, but then briefly pro-con the situation. On the pro side, by implementing a reorg, Binance could punish the hackers by moving the fees onto them, and this would act as a deterrent against future attacks, and would also test the reaction of the Bitcoin network to a reorg event. Um, but on the con side, Zhao acknowledged that a reorg event might damage Bitcoin's credibility, as well as potentially causing a permanent split in not only the Bitcoin chain, but also in the cryptocurrency community too. Now the comments replying to Zhao's remarks made the community's opinion on a reorg clear, causing Zhao to tweet, it's not possible to implement a reorg of this magnitude and calling for everyone to move on. But was the damage done? Now it's highly unlikely that Binance could have pulled off a reorg, but the fact that they considered it and the implication of them being successful is the news that the market is not pricing in and ignoring. Now, Bitcoin's strategy to prevent a 51% attack is to make cheating more expensive than being honest. On the Bitcoin network, it's more costly to attempt to control 51% of the hash power than it is to mine Bitcoin itself. Now, Binance probably only considered the option for around 30 seconds as a knee-jerk reaction to the hack but the possibility of a group of miners working together on purpose to change the Bitcoin blockchain goes against the underlying philosophy of Bitcoin itself, and a reorg of this magnitude would also set a precedent. Now, arguably, it could render Bitcoin worthless. Why? Because it takes away, potentially, Bitcoin's reason for being. If Binance had attempted the reorg and had been successful, it would have shown a decentralized system can be controlled at will by a centralized authority, and that could mean game over for Bitcoin. CEO comments have ended businesses in the past. In 1991, the CEO of a FTSE 100 company, when asked about why his company was so successful at selling products for such a low price, replied, because it is total crap. In just a few days, 80% of the company's share price was wiped out, losing over $1.8 billion in today's money. And over the next 12 months, 330 high street stores were closed and 2,500 people lost their jobs because of five words the CEO blurted out in a speech. 
And this isn't an isolated incident. You could begin your research with the CEO of Tesla, for example. Now back to aphorisms. Another phrase used in financial markets describes how markets move in trends. Now when trending down, the market is sliding down the slope of hope. And when trending up, a market is climbing up the wall of worry. Now at first glance, sliding down the slope of hope and climbing up the wall of worry don't seem to impart too much wisdom. But under the surface, these phrases describe not only crowd behavior, but also one of the biggest causes of the crowd's losses. As markets move down, news that has the potential to stop the rout gains more attention. And as markets move up, news that could end the rally becomes the focus. So the process of sliding down the slope of hope and climbing up the wall of worry is continuous. Now, this happens even in sideways accumulation and distribution phases of the price cycle. The 5% use this process as one of the checks before they take a position because, paradoxically, all liquid markets, including cryptocurrencies, exhibit the worst news, typically portraying a near hopeless situation at major lows and vice versa when markets are soaring and the news is good and when everything looks fantastic and the thought of a market selling off looks highly unlikely or even impossible, it's then that markets typically print major highs. The catalyst could be exogenous, external to the market, like a natural disaster, something like a geopolitical uh, shock event, or maybe it's a cryptocurrency exchange collapse, or it could be an endogenous event, something internal, a shock report exposing corruption within an organization, an earnings miss, or a profit warning. The tendency for the worst news to coincide with the end of a down move and the best news to coincide with the end of an up move has, like the slope of hope and the wall of worry, been turned into a handy aphorism. It shows up in the stock market, the forex market, the bond market. In fact, all liquid financial markets, including cryptocurrencies, exhibit this behavior, even real estate markets. And it is when the only way is up, the only way is down, and when the only way is down, the only way is up. In financial markets, including the cryptocurrency market, there's always someone who's willing to stand in front of an oncoming train. As markets move through stages of the price cycle, moving from downtrends into sideways accumulation and from sideways accumulation into uptrends, eventually cycling into sideways distribution and finally a new downtrend, there's always some genius who thinks the bottom is in or the high has been made. Now, the thing is, occasionally they are right, but even then they get out too early and rarely exploit the true potential of their position typically exiting without any understanding of return on risk. As Bitcoin continues its ascent, the bullish articles continue unabated, with one article in a respected high circulation publication claiming that the cause of this rally was Bitcoin's RSI or relative strength indicator reading. Now the RSI indicator is a momentum indicator and it works by dividing the initial percentage gain by percentage loss over the period used by the indicator. And this is typically 14 days and then smoothing the results. Now the point is the RSI, like all the other momentum based indicators, is based on the price of the underlying market and of a moving average to smooth out the results. Ask yourself, what's more likely to act as a catalyst for a market? An RSI reading or a real world exogenous or endogenous event? 
As discussed in the Disruptive Force series of articles, podcasts, and videos, the 5%, the most consistent speculators and investors, focus their attention not on other people's opinions, but on the points of reference where they can quantify their risk. Now, the 5% wait patiently for a market to set up. As cryptocurrencies trade through time, prices are driven above and below zones where entry can not only provide a quantified amount of risk, but also market feedback if the position is unprofitable. In contrast, the 95%, the inconsistent majority, buy highs and sell lows. Yes, this can sometimes work, and yes, it is a strategy at one specific point during the price cycle that allows good risk management and good market feedback. But most of the time, buying the high and selling the low is the highest risk, lowest reward strategy a speculator can deploy. Now, Bitcoin is climbing a wall of worry without mass public participation. And while news of Bitcoin's rise might be making headlines in countries like Australia, in other parts of the world, like in the UK, cryptocurrency rarely makes the news. In May 2019, the general public is still not invested in crypto. And as a test, next time you're, asked, you're out socialising, ask around. So what's behind this week's 34 point, uh, or 32.4% move in Bitcoin? Is it an indicator reading, or are there background forces at work? In the early 20th century, US President Theodore Roosevelt used this phrase to describe his foreign policy. Talk softly and carry a big stick. Now, of all of the trading partners, the United States has the largest deficit, which is a net balance of imports to exports with China. Now, for 10 years between 1995 and 2005, China maintained a fixed peg at over 8 yuan to the dollar. And moving in 2005 from this fixed peg to a narrow trading band, where if the yuan breached boundaries, the Chinese central bank would intervene, selling or buying the yuan to keep the exchange rate within the limits of the band. Now, the problem from the United States perspective is that the Chinese maintained the band at an uncompetitive rate, undervaluing the yuan against the US dollar, allowing China a competitive edge, exporting its goods into the United States. In 2015, China removed the fixed peg to the US dollar and allowed the yuan to float freely with a twist. And that twist being that the Chinese central bank used a managed floating currency approach based on the previous day's close and a, a trading band of plus or minus 2% is maintained. Cheap goods into the United States exports deflation into the US economy. And at a time when the US has record-breaking amounts of debt, deflation is a bad thing because you have to print more debt just to maintain the level of debt you have, never mind making an attempt to try and pay it down. And ironically, the biggest currency manipulator in the world isn't China, it's the United States. And when the United States cranked up the printing presses in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis, China having its currency pegged to the US dollar was importing inflation from the United States. And this is because the yuan was pegged to the US dollar at the time at a fixed rate. And as money was coming into China via current account surpluses, portfolio investments, and short-term profits due to uh, uh, hot money inflows, the Chinese central bank had to print more yuan to, to match the number of dollars flowing into the country. So for example, if you're a Chinese exporter earning US dollars, you're going to have to swap those into yuan. So historically, inflation has created a, a politically dangerous situations in China. So instead of a fixed peg, the Chinese central bank moved to a trading band and then finally to a managed floating rate. But now with the quantitative easing program at an end, the US needs another mechanism to control the relationship between the two largest trading partners in the world. 
Maybe the Trump trade war is designed to persuade the Chinese to see the wisdom of a high yuan valuation against the dollar. And this is because with a weaker dollar, goods coming into the United States from China will cost more to the US consumer, and this is inflationary. Inflation decreases the percentage of overall government income that's needed to repay holders of the debt. And with 22 trillion of debt, higher inflation will, will reduce the stresses on the US economy. The level of slack in the US economy are at the lowest level since 2000. Now when slack is low, the greater the influence inflationary pressures will have because unemployment in the US is at nearly 20 year lows and with low unemployment, this reduces the economy's ability to absorb inflationary pressures. So the background conditions for increasing inflation in the United States are in place. Of course, it's a balancing act. A little too much inflation is a problematic thing too. A trade war forces the increase in prices on US consumers and this, because of the current background conditions, is a favorable environment for an increase in inflation. Now, the Chinese could react by an aggressive devaluation of the yuan, neutralizing the effect of the tariffs imposed by the US. In 2016, the Chinese yuan was added to a basket of currencies along with the US dollar, the euro, the British pound, and the Japanese yen that go to make up the International Monetary Fund's Special Drawing Right Asset, or SDR. Now, as China's economy transitions from the exporting of goods to the consumption of goods, and as this will require a stable currency and exchange rate, the Chinese are unlikely to counterattack counter the US trade tariffs by devaluing the yuan. Of course, nothing is impossible. It's just less likely for them to do it. So what's all this got to do with cryptocurrencies? Well, Bitcoin shrugged off the bad news this week. And less than 24 hours after the news of Binance's hack, Bitcoin was trading at new highs for the move and added nearly one third of its value over the next four days. So as tensions between the US and China increase, it could prompt new demand into cryptocurrencies. And one reason for new demand could be Bitcoin arbitrage, buying in one location where prices are stable and selling in another region where geopolitical events are causing surges in demand. For those who doubt the effectiveness of arbitrage techniques, researching how the Rothschilds used its family connections between London and Paris during the Napoleonic War might persuade you otherwise. All liquid markets, including cryptocurrencies, move between price levels, searching out levels of liquidity. Over the short term, it's possible to use technical analysis successfully as a trigger into and out of a market. However, if you want to increase your field of vision, an RSI indicator might just get you across one lane on a freeway, but you're unlikely to make it to the other side without an understanding of background conditions. This is John Jameson for altcoinsidekick.com and I'll see you next time. Hey, this is John Jameson. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you've got a lot out of it. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher or your favourite podcast platform. Your review will help spread the word and allow us to create more thought-provoking content for you, covering all things crypto, not just the individual coins and tokens, but the societal trends and motivations behind the rollout of blockchain technology. The internet is being re-engineered and not one in a hundred thousand realises it's happening. Welcome to the revolution.